With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to The Word on Wednesday. It is just a tremendous honor to be here tonight and to be out on... um, to be out on uh, um, Periscope as well as on Blog Talk Radio as we continue our study that's entitled Transitions to Transformation in the Word of God as recorded in 1 Samuel. Tonight we'll be in Chapter 19, so if you have your Bibles in front of you, why don't you go ahead on and, and turn over to it. Uh, we'll do a, we'll have our prayer in a second, and then after that we'll do a quick review, and we'll move right into First Samuel 19. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. We bless you, we thank you, we praise you, for you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Father, tonight as we come. To your word, we thank you that you are the God who reveals. But not only are you the God who reveals, you are the God who ministers to his people. We bless you for that. We thank you, O oh God, for your word. We thank you, O oh God, that it is a word that will bring life, a word that brings healing, a word that brings clarity to our situation a word that builds up our faith, a word, O oh God, that reveals you as faithful, a word that reveals you as in control, a word that re- reveals that, O oh God, that you're not done with us and that, that your word is true and that you are coming back again. We thank you for that. Sometimes, God, we, we feel like you've forgotten about us, Sometimes we feel as if, Lord, when will this come to pass? At other times, God, we, we're like, you know, this is, we hear so much and we hear so much about your promises that some, and when they don't come for us, we feel like you've forsaken us. But God, through your word and by your spirit, we know that's not true. We know that you're faithful. We know that you're just. And we know that even when we are faithless, you are faithful because you will not deny yourself. So we bless you and we thank you for what you're doing through your word. Now, Father, speak to our hearts by your word and by your spirit tonight, and then go a step further. Father, allow us to experience your presence. Allow us to experience your presence wherever we are all throughout the land, As we study your word tonight, we bless you, we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, tonight, uh, before, as I promised before, one of the things that I want to do, and I I, I need us to just be a little patient with me, for those of you out there who who, uh, are first-timers on the word on Wednesday, uh, for those of you who might not um, be Christians. Uh, who might not have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Before I begin the broadcast, I'd like to make sure that you understand that God has given you a gift, and that gift is his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus died for our sins because we were separated from God because of our sins. And he he loves us so much that he wanted to make provision for us that we could come to him. And so he gave his son Jesus who died on the cross and his blood is the propitiation of our sin. He offers up himself as as our sacrifice for our sins and it pleased God. 
and in doing this, he he takes care of everything that we've ever done, everything that we are doing, everything that we're going to do. We're saved to eternity. And so now, uh, so what do you have to do to get, to get the gift? You have to believe that Jesus died for your sins. You have to believe that he is the Son of God. You have to be willing to repent of your sins, meaning you have to be willing to turn away from that life that you once lived, those things that you once did, and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You turn to God and depend on God. And you begin by by expressing your faith in him, by just saying, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I ask him to come into my life. I repent of my sins, and I want him to live inside of me. I want him to take over. I want him to take control. I want to learn of him. I want to learn how to walk with him. I want to learn how to to obey and, and submit myself to him. That's the start right there. And then the next thing you need to do if you if you if you pray that prayer and ask them into your heart, the next thing you need to do is you need to find yourself a Bible believing church where you can learn and you can grow more and more. Now, this helps you grow in your walk with Christ. But the first it all begins with you accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. So I just you know I always want to make sure that we offer that to you, that I that I share that gospel, that, that good news, that you don't have to be without God anymore, that you don't have to walk in sin anymore, that you can 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 become that you are can become a child of God. Yeah, you can. And all you have to do is invite him into your heart. Well, with that said, I pray that you would do that. I pray if you need more information, you can always call me, and you can call me at 929-477-2304, or you can text me on Periscope. And if I'm looking down at the screen, uh, then you can get you can you can ask me a question there, and I can talk to you more about it. Or if you don't feel comfortable doing that, find another Christian. Find another Christian. Amen. Um, find another Christian and ask them about Jesus, and they can explain it to you, and they can walk, and they can introduce you to them. But the important thing is, is that you get saved. Amen? So take that gift. Okay, so we're at First Samuel chapter. Uh, hey, Sharon, I saw you out there. Uh, we're First Samuel chapter 19, and last week we, um, we talked about um, when we fail to walk in faith, we walk in fear. And what we saw was the insanity of Saul and how he is being tormented uh, because of the decisions that he made to not follow God, to not place his faith and trust in God, but instead he places his faith and his trust in his flesh, and he is being tormented by an evil spirit. Um, so that was our key learning last week, and, and our key scripture last week was there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so those of us who are facing things now, you have two choices. You can allow fear to overwhelm you, or you can overcome fear by your faith, by trusting in God, by standing on the word of God. And by standing on the word of God, what we really mean is being obedient to the word and expecting God to do exactly what he said he would do. That was our lesson last week about Saul. Now this week in chapter 19, get a chance to see Saul in action because Saul is, is just jealous of David and he is acting a pure D fool. So if you would, why don't you why don't you grab your Bibles again and look at um first Samuel chapter nineteen and I'll start reading and I'm gonna read first Samuel nineteen verses one through three. Saul told his son Jonathan and all his attendants to kill David. But Jonathan was very fond of David and warned him. My father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go, in, go into hiding and stay there. 
I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about about you and will tell you what I find out. So Jonathan knows that Saul is trying to kill David. In chapter 18, what we saw was the covert attempts at Saul to get rid of David. Now, Saul, he's not even trying to hide what he's trying to do. Before, he tried to get the Philistines to kill David. Now, he goes and he tells Jonathan and his own people, kill David, because David and David's anointing and David's uh, uh, equipping with the Holy Spirit is a threat to Saul. And so Jonathan is ordered to kill him. Now, I want you to think about the orders that are on your life right now, because there are orders out right now to kill you. And one of the places that we experience this is often amongst from other Christians and people in the household of faith. Yeah, you got your folk on your job that are trying to assassinate you, assassinate your character, get rid of you off the job. You've got people in the neighborhood who don't like you for some reason or other. You've got all of these plots against you from people outside the household of faith. But there are also people inside, inside the house, people who name themselves as children of the king who have been incited to kill you. And not only that, but, 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 but sometimes we're agents of death. We will go and we will make it our business to try to do something to someone else in the household of faith simply because they're not doing it our way or we get caught up on what I call Satan's okey-doke. Oh, it happens. It happens all the time. And Satan, it's his job. It is his job for brother to be against brother. But the desire of God is that we learn to walk together as one. Now, I want to show you something. In this passage, Jonathan and David are in covenant agreement. Jonathan and David have made a covenant. They love one another. So when Saul, with his crazy self, tries to incite Jonathan against his covenant brother David, and if there was anybody that had a reason to want David out of the way, it's Jonathan, because Jonathan knows that David is anointed to be king, and Jonathan is the crown prince. Jonathan should be in line to grab a hold of the throne. But Jonathan is hearing that, because Jonathan loves David, and he loves God, and he sees that God is using David. And so rather than him being jealous of David, Jonathan in the previous chapter bowed down to David. Jonathan surrendered everything to David. He surrendered his cloak. He surrendered his sword. He surrendered everything. And the cloak represented his majesty, his royalty, and his weapons represented his power. And so Jonathan surrenders everything because he loves David. Now, I want you to think about something. Do we really love one another in the church? And by love, I don't talk, I'm not talking about that feeling of love. I'm talking about that commitment that comes with love. Are we so committed to our brothers and sisters in Christ that we are willing to surrender to them, that we are willing to, to bow down to them, that we're really willing to look out for their best interests over our own? We have a wonderful example here of Jonathan doing this. And not only does Jonathan do this, but when Saul tries to incite him to kill David, he goes to David and he says, David, 
brother, you got to look out. We got to look out now because my dad wants to kill you. He's ordered you to be killed. But now look at what he does. He says, I'm going to intercede for you. You know, Jesus interceded for us. Remember that night in the garden or in the upper room when he was when he was praying for the disciples? What did he pray? Turn to John 17, verse 20. Let me just read you a portion of that prayer. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent us. The ineffectiveness of our witness today, the ineffective of the witness of Christians, the ineffectiveness of the witness of the church is because we have allowed the spirit of Solomon, that murderous demon-inspired spirit, to incite us to not be one, but instead to bring division into the church. And we bring the division in by not loving one another. We want to be first. We want to be preeminent. We want that seat. We want that job. Think about it. And even in our house, even in our house, our houses are divided because we don't want to submit to each other. Not only do we not want, and notice I said to each other. I didn't just say we don't want to, the, the man, the, the woman should submit to the man. No, the Bible says submit ye one to another. That's what the Bible says. And so we don't want to be submissive. We want our own way. We want to do our own thing. We, and we bring division and destruction. And when we don't love one another enough to say, you know what? That don't really matter. Your wife didn't cook tonight. That don't really matter. I just, I get, babe, you want some Chinese? Oh, you don't have to get no attitude. You, uh, you, you know, go, go get some Chinese. Oh, babe, what you want to eat? I, you, you, you hungry? Let me go up in here. You don't have to think, look, I done worked all day long. At least she could do have some food up in here or, 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 or vice versa. He laid up all day long in the house. Yeah, I know he got to go to work at midnight, but he could have cooked something. I mean, I left it out all day. No. We have to, to learn how to esteem the other higher than ourselves. We have to be so committed that we don't, as they say, open the door for the devil to divide us. And there's division, division, and division. And where you have division, you're going to have strife. And where you're going to have strife, murder is just around the corner. Oh, oh. Your wife, you know, didn't cook today? Not only should you go in there and start wrestling them pots, run some bath water. Or, or get that foot soap thing out and say, baby, sit there. Soak your feet. I got this. Oh, come on. It's... it's, it's we have to learn, and, and if we're not doing it in the church, and we're not doing it in the home, we're not showing love for one another, how are we ever going to show the love of God? And so let's move forward. Let's move forward. So 1 Corinthians one ten, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. God wants us to be united. The devil wants us to be divided. Saul is trying to he sow the seeds of division that will lead to David's demise. And Jonathan is having none of it. Go to verse 4. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, 
Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul, and David was with Saul as before. So Jonathan intercedes with his father, and he talks some sense in him. He says, look here. Why are you going to kill David? What did David do? David is innocent. Have you ever stood up for anybody? Have you ever interceded? Have you ever just said, you know what, I know that this could bring me harm. You realize now, you realize that Saul is crazy, okay? Saul is crazy. He is either schizophrenic or manic. Because he has these lap, he has these periods of time where he seems like he's quite lucid and rational, but then all of a sudden, and I, and I, I you know, so I don't have to go into this big medical thing because I'm not capable of doing it anyway. I, I like to describe it like this: one minute he's lucid and rational, and the next minute he is certified, a certified nut job. He's just completely irrational. Makes no sense at all. And it is because he has opened the door to this demon that continues to torment him. He has given in to fear. And when you give in to fear, there's constant torment. Constant torment. You ever been scared of somebody? You ever been sitting up in school and, and, and all of a sudden somebody say they're going to beat you up? And you are, you know, you know you can't fight. And you know that person can really fight. And so you sitting in class all day long wondering about this whooping because you know you're going to get it. And that fear, uh, you know, that fear just eats at you, just gnaws at you. You got some candy in your desk and you can't eat your candy because you're too scared. You, you, <coughs> you got a lesson that you're trying to master. You can't add two plus two because you're too scared. You're just all discombobulated. Well, go to your adult days when you're worried and fearful because you think you're about to lose your house or you think you're about to lose your job or think you're getting ready to lose something or you're worried about somebody coming in on you or you're worried about your children or something like that and you're just scared all the time and all you can think of is your mind starts playing tricks on you because you think, oh, what would I do if somebody came in here? I, I don't have this and I can't do that and they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And the sad part about it is probably ain't nobody even studying you. That's just fear working on you. But if you trust God to be your protector, if you trust God to, to watch out over your children, if you trust, trust God to be your provision, when fear comes around, you say, I ain't going to worry about that. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. You see, when you, when, you, when you have divine protection and when your trust is in God, what does he say? I will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. And Saul's mind is not on God. And so the demon is doing him in. And, and, and on top of and now here in this segment, what we have is, is Jonathan trying to talk some sense in him. And look, Jonathan gets to him because he makes his case for, for David's innocence. And Saul says, as the Lord lives, he ain't going to die. Now, that's what came out of his mouth. But we'll find out he didn't mean it. But you, the wonderful thing about God is, I ain't got to worry about what you say. God doesn't have to worry about what you say. When God says that he's, going, he's able to perform it. Amen? So now, let's keep going. Verse 8. Oh, and by the way, if you have questions, if you have comments, Call me at 929-477-2304, 929-477-2304, or 
Or you can just scroll, write something across the bottom of the periscope thing, and if I if if I don't see it, type it in again or say hey or put some hearts up or something and let me know. So because I'm between my notes and my and my uh, uh, um, hey how you doing? And I'm between my notes and my um, and my Bible and this studio screen up here and periscope. And there's so much going on, so you know it's easy for me to miss something, especially since you know I sometimes I'm I'm visually challenged. I put it that way. So now, verse eight. Once more, war broke out, and David went out and fought the Philistines. He struck them with such force that they fled before him. But an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand. While David was playing the harp, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear, but David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall. That night, David made good his escape. Now, before I, want, before I go any further, I want to just share something about uh, Jonathan. Don't let the the crazy spirit of someone else bring make you bring division. Don't let somebody, don't let some crazy person make you do something bad. There are people that will, you know, that will counsel you to do the wrong thing. They're crazy. They're being satanically inspired. You know, I was talking with my wife today, and I before you know something happened that kind of. Got on, got next to me. She was handling it well, but it got next to me, and so I had to say to her, "Don't listen to me, because what I'm about to say does not come from the Lord. It comes from me speaking out of anger." And then I told her, "Now this is what I would do if I was you," and I got it all out. And she looked at me and she said, "Yeah, you sound like a crazy person." I ain't doing none of that. I said, well, I told you from the beginning not to listen to me because you know I do suffer from a little crazy. And she just looked at me. You know, you have to learn the difference between godly advice and craziness. If the advice does not line up with the word of God, it didn't come from God, so you need to consider it crazy. Look, God wants us to be as one. And that's the thing that I'm going to keep hammering in on during the first part of this, this teaching. God desires unity. And unity is going to start in your home. And unity means that you are one with your family. Unity means that your family is one with God. Ooh. You see, what does he say in that passage? I want them to be in you just like I am. God desires for you to indwell not just you, but your entire family. And that all of you, all of you are walking upright with Christ and walking as one. And it is not impossible to do. Everybody ain't got to do their own thing. Everybody got to do one thing, and that's Jesus. I want you to, and I really want you to meditate on that. I really need you to start meditating on unity within the family. And you might have an unsaved husband, or you might have an unsaved wife, or you might have an unsaved child. I dare you to get on the same page as God. And begin to ask God to make oneness, oneness the priority of your household. Watch what happens. I dare you to begin to humble yourself and be submissive, not just to your husband or your wife, but also keep in that. Now, submissive, remember I taught you this earlier. Submissive does not mean let nobody wipe their feet on you. I dare you begin to get yourself in order and keep yourself in order under Christ. Whoa. Yeah. Obedient. 
You will be amazed at what it will do, the peace that will begin to flood your home, the conversations that you'll have, the challenges that you will have in learning with your family how to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. The word says, and this is something that I just wanted to read you, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hurt when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. The real principle is this, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Go back and read that again. Look what it said, completely humble and gentle and patient, and bearing with one another, meaning holding up the load with each other. Oh, wow. Isn't that something? That's how we get to unity. It takes humility. Anyway, Saul's jealousy of David is aroused, and he attempts to kill David. Satan's desire with us is always death. It's always death. And one of the things that's happening in the church that's so discouraging to Christians now is that we don't really understand what's happening with us. We don't understand that there's a war going on, and Satan's desire is to kill us by not so much the physical death first, but he wants the physical death. And what is physical death? What, what do you mean by that? I mean that he is trying to destroy our faith in God. He's trying to get us to disconnect. From God, He tries to get us to disconnect from God by getting us, first of all, to disconnect with each other. Oh, yeah. That's why it's so important that, that you get yourself a place of worship and, and surround yourself with, with good, Bible-believing, uh, uh, obedient Christians who you can help support and they can help support you and they can walk with you and, and, and worship with you and you can go before God together. We're not meant to walk this thing alone. It's, that's, not, that's not what, no, 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 no. He wants us together in unity. But Satan always is going to sow the seeds of division and dissension so he can disable the people of God so he can disconnect us from each other and thereby disconnect us from God and have us out here like we the Lone Ranger and, and have us feeling like, oh, don't nobody love us and all of this kind of good stuff. No. Uh-uh. That's not the plan of God. And with what we're going through right now, a lot of people are upset. I'm trying to check my time out. Ooh, I got I got I'm about to speed up. A lot of people are upset because of the fact that they think God promised them something and they're not getting it. A lot of people are upset because they're going through things and it don't match what you thought you should have got. But I'm here to tell you that you're getting exactly, exactly what God promised. If you're feeling the heat right now, you're uncomfortable in your walk, you're uncomfortable in your place, that's what God ordered. Well, I know you don't like to hear that, but that's the truth. Nobody likes you because you're a Christian. That's the way it's supposed to be. You under pressure in your church, in your church, that's the way it's supposed to be. You under pressure on your job, that's the way it's supposed to be. God will order trials and tribulations and put them right on your plate. Oh, I know people don't like to hear that because they're so used to hearing, oh, blessings are coming, and you're going to get this, and you're going to get that, and you're going to get the other. Let me tell you the truth. 
You're going to catch some hell. That's what you're getting ready to get. If you ain't already got it, oh, you're going to get it. It's coming. Persecution is coming. It is. This is where it's supposed to be. Look, what does Jesus say in John 16:33? These things I have spoken unto you that, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have what? Tribulation. In the world you shall have tribulation. That's on the script. That's part of the program. David, even though he's a mighty warrior, David, even though he's done great things in God for Israel, God orders up something for David. What does he order up? Some trials and tribulations. And as we go through these next several chapters, it seems like he got a double portion of them. David is getting ready now to go on the run. Mm -hmm. Let me read that whole passage to you so I don't leave you, leave you, leave you messed up too bad. John 16, 33 says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. God allows us to know. He allows us to know that we're going to have tribulation. But uh, I'm getting ready to go through, and I'm supposed to be of good cheer. Yeah, why? Because, number one, God orders the tribulation. He knows the way that you go. He's ordered your steps. If he orders you into a trial or orders up a trial for you or some tribulation for you, guess what? He's ordering it for himself. Not only is he ordering it for himself, but he's in control of the whole thing. So if you're undergoing a trial or you're undergoing a trip, some, uh, going through some trial, tribulation, guess what? God said, write this and yeah, go on. You can do it. I'm testing your faith. I'm going to put you in the refiner's fire because I want you to know what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what, what, what as they say, I'm going to show you your real metal. I'm going to show you what you're made out of. And one of the things that I've learned is when we have Christ in us, oh, we ain't going to lose. It might look like we lose, but we're not going to lose because God wants us dependent on him. And if we depend on God, if our hope and our faith and our trust is in God, how you lose with God? When the last time you see, you see God have a losing season? When the last time you seen God lose, period? Mm-hmm. Let's keep going. The word says this, and this is something that, that, that you need to know. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us from them all. You need to know that. No matter what you're going through, it says, many are the afflictions. The righteous will be afflicted. The righteous will suffer. The righteous will suffer. One more time. The righteous will suffer. Because of who we are, and we are ordained for that. Now, I'm not, don't get it in your mind that, God gonna let us be no whipping boys and whipping girls or something like that. That the devil just gonna no, uh uh. No, we going through a test and the test is just like when you go into the gym and you're trying to build you some muscles or you jogging and you're trying to build up your endurance. That's what this is all about. To build you up in holiness. To build you up in holiness, to sanctify you, to strip off all that stuff that don't belong so God himself can be seen in your life. And your response to your trial is what's going to bring God the glory. Let me keep moving because we're seeing this already. Now, first of all, God provides deliverance for David. Let me read um, um, verses um, verse 10. I'm going to start at 10. And that night David made good his escape. So, as we were saying, 
Saul tried to kill him again. Now, Saul already tried to kill him before with the spear. I don't know what it is Saul throwing these spears at people. Saul tries to kill him again. This time, David said, uh, no more of this. I'm out. I am out. I'm going to tell you a secret. Saul didn't drive David out. God drove David out. Saul was the instrument that God used to get David out of the palace. Because David has a higher calling. And one of the things about higher callings, I'm going to tip my hand a little bit. One of the things when you have a higher calling, you take a bigger test. You know, you don't get... You don't get a bachelor's degree. You can get a if, you know if you can get a high school diploma, but you got to take a test. If you want a bachelor's degree, you got to do some more studying, take some more tests, read a whole bunch of more books. If you want a master's degree, then all of a sudden you write, you take read even more books, write longer papers, uh, more intense everything. And then if you want your PhD, more papers, more studying, more lectures, a whole bunch of more books. Because you're continuing to try to elevate yourself in education, on jobs. If you want to be um, elevate yourself into the managerial positions and the vice presidents and presidents, you're going to do more work. You're going to do more study. You're going to spend more time. Well, as you move in God, as God anoints you, to do even greater exploits for him, guess what? More testing. And so David has been learning how to live in the palace, but now he's got to go, God is going to drive him away from the palace so he can learn some more things about God that he never knew. In other words, David now is on the run to the refiner, to be refined. You're not going to stay in the same place in God. Not happening. Because God is going to continue to refine you. God is going to continue to strip off the things from you as he takes you through the process of sanctification that you might be made holy. That's what's going on when you're going through a trial that you might become the servant that he has called you to be. See, everybody want to be the king. Well, if you want to be great in God, be a servant. Because what does Jesus say? And the greatest of these shall be the king. No, he doesn't. And the greatest of these shall have the title of bishop of the apostolic, this blah, 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 blah. Or he shall be the pastor of the largest, this, that, and the other. No, he said the greatest of these will be a servant. And God is getting ready to prepare his servant. And the first thing he's going to teach you is, is about is his ability to deliver you in any situation. Watch this. Saul sent his men to David's house to watch it and to kill him in the morning. But Michal, David's wife, warned him, if you don't run for your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. So Michal let David down through a window, and he fled and escaped. Then Michal took an idol and laid it on the bed, covering it with a garment and putting some goat's hair at the head. When Saul sent the men to capture David, Michal said, he is ill. Then Saul sent the men back to see David and told them, Bring him up to me in his bed so that I may kill him. But when the men entered, there was the idol in the bed, and at the head was some goat's hair. So the first thing, he delivers him right there in his home. He allows Michael to use deception to use an idol and I want you to remember that idol. I don't have time to talk about it tonight, but I want you to remember Mikael and that idol. That should tell you something. That's a that's a sneak preview, okay? So he so David escapes because God allows Mikael to deceive her father. Let's keep going. Then 
Saul sent, um, at verse 15, then Saul sent the men back to see David and told them, bring him up to me in his bed so that I may kill him. But when the men entered, there was the idol in the bed, and at the head was some goat's hair. Saul said to Mikael, why did you deceive me like this and send my enemy away so that he, he escaped? Look at Saul identifying David as his enemy. The anointed of God is his enemy. Mikael told him, he said to me, let me get away. Why should I kill him? So in other words, she's saying, he threatened to kill me if I didn't let him go. When David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. Then he and Samuel went to Naoth and stayed there. Word came to Saul, David is in Naoth at Ramah. So he sent men to capture him. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying with Samuel, standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men, and they also prophesied. Saul was told about it, and he sent more men, and they prophesied too. Saul sent men a third time, and they also prophesied. Finally, he himself left for Ramah and went to the great cistern at Siku, and he asked, Where are Samuel and David? Over in Naoth at Ramah, they said. So Saul went to Naoth at Ramah, but the Spirit of God came even upon him, and he walked along prophesying until he came to Naoth. He stripped off his robes and also prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay that way all that day and night. This is why the people say, is Saul also among the prophets? So here, once again, look at what God does. They send men after David. The men come to where David is with Samuel, and God intervenes himself. God causes them to prophesy. Now, this word prophesy, it can be, it can be taught it can, in, in Hebrew. It comes across two ways. One is the foretelling or foretelling. The other one is a descriptor of the ecstatic movements of the prophets, the, the, all the hunching and flinching that they were doing when they were prophesying. And literally, that's what happens to these men. They begin to hunch and flinch and do make all the motions that a prophet would make, a prophet of those times would make. And that doesn't mean that, you know, as I say, all the prophets did all this hunching and flinching. No, that is what, in the school of prophets, they learned how to do so. That's, that's what they're describing here. But the important thing that I want you to see is what happened to Saul when Saul came. Look at that. Look at this again. He stripped off his robes and also prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay that way all that day and night. So, when Saul came after David, God stripped him of all of his royalty and, and then had him lay before him who he has declared to be his enemy. Because not only is David Saul's enemy, but so is Samuel. Notice that Samuel is not at the court. Go back and read where Samuel, before Samuel gets ready to anoint David, the relationship between him and Saul, he says, if Saul finds out that I'm going to do this, he's going to kill me. Saul is ruthless as a king. And so God protects David even as he sets him on the run because David is not running from Saul, but I submit to you that David is running to the place of the refiner because God is getting ready to refine David in preparation for him becoming the king of Israel. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. The Bible tells us that God provides for those who walk in faith and in obedience to God's word, you're going to get exactly what God has for 
for you. And I can, long term, I can tell you exactly what it is. It's eternal life. It is being with the Father eternally. Short term, well, I don't know what God has ordered for you. I do know, I do know that you should not be surprised when there's suffering. I do know that you should not be surprised when you enter into trials and tribulations. I could tell you that right now because Jesus tells us that we can expect that. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. But what does he also say? What does he also say? If you suffer with me, if you're willing to walk through this world carrying my gospel, telling the world that I died for their sin, if you're willing to serve by pointing people to the saving power of Jesus Christ and, and pointing them in turn to me as their father and revealing the truth to them, if you're willing to be a vessel of life, if you're willing to be a vessel of blessing that brings eternal blessing to this world, if you're willing to go through to advance the kingdom rule of God, let me tell you, it ain't going to be easy. It's going to be tough. And you're going to face persecution. You're going to face people lying on you. You're going to face trials and tribulations. Some old saints were thrown in lion's dens, boiled in oil. You got saints over in Russia right now being stuck in freezers. You have people in the Muslim countries who declare for Christ who are fearing for their life, but they got the faith to stand in the midst of the fear and saying, for God I live and for God I'll die. Mm-hmm. They're willing to stand wherever they are, and we as Christians must be willing to go through for God that the gospel of Jesus Christ might be spread throughout the land. we got to get serious about this thing. The Bible says in James 1, 2, and 4, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's James 1, 2, and 4. Look, James tells us to count it joy. Count it joy when we, when we fall into all kinds of various, the various trials that we have. Count it joy. Look, that word patience or perseverance, it means a bearing up under. It refers to the quality of character that does not allow one to surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. So when, when, when we come into trial, that's just God doing some character building. He's stripping off that weak stuff that's on us and building us up in the faith and allowing us to stand and, and allowing us, he gives us his spirit to allow us to stand and, and bear to it. You know, I, I, I heard, used to hear my mother say, back to the pain, back to the pain. And I, when she would say something like that, I'm like, are you crazy? This hurt. Give me some Novocaine. Give me, a, give me some kind of shot. Give me a pill. Give me something. But instead, she would say, don't let this thing break you. God is building up our faith so that as we enter into trials and tribulations, and when he orders them up, he's just getting us strong. Go to the gym for a second. You might start out with some five-pound weights, and they might tear you up, but keep lifting them. Keep lifting them. And what happens? Your muscles get stronger. The next thing you know, somebody handing you some tins, and you start moving them tins around, and it hurts. But you keep moving them. And the next thing you know, you're handling those tins, and so they give you some 20s. And it hurts. Your muscles are being tested, but in the testing, they're being trained to learn to bear up under the weight, to bear the load, to carry the load. And God is better than any personal trainer. He knows exactly, he knows exactly how much weight you can bear. First Peter 1, 3 and 9, flip over there real quick. I got it printed, so hurry up. It says, 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept, inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come, look at this, David's going through this. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Look here, look here. Look at this. This is First Peter 1, 3, and 9. He says this. He says, rejoice, because your faith is being proven. It's being proven genuine. When God puts you in a test, he wants to test your faith to see what you're going to do in the midst of it. Will you cuss that woman out or will you bless her? Because he told you to bless them that curse you, not curse them that curse you. What is your faith going to have you do? You see, this is this walk is practical. Is a, some people have their walk and it's all pie in the sky. It's all, you know, oh, you know, uh-uh, no, 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 no. It's a twitch and a twitter. No, this is what you walk up and down the street with day in and day out. What does your faith cause you to do? Does your faith cause you to obey the word of God? And walk upright according to his word and take it, or does it make make you look like a fool, like a crazy person, like Saul? Mm, trying to kill folk, trying to give tit for tat. Uh-uh. God is in control of everything concerning David. This is part of David's training for reigning. What you are going through is part of your training for reigning. David is on the run, not from Saul, but to a place of refining. Sometimes we feel like the enemy is in control and about to kill us. We need to understand that God has ordered a trial for us that we might be purified and perfected in the faith. God wants to perfect you in the faith. God wants your faith to be so strong that you can say to that mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and that mountain is moved. He don't want you making excuses for why you're not healed or why this didn't happen. When God gives you a word and he speaks that word in you and he speaks that word to you and he tells you to say something, you ought to be able to speak it in faith and know that God is going to perform it because it's his spirit in you that it caused you to come out of you and it's not your flesh. So what actions do we have to take? I've got two minutes. What actions? First of all, when you're going through a trial, when, you, when God puts you on the run, like he puts David on the run, run happy. Be of good cheer. Secondly, count it as joy. Count it as joy, knowing that God is doing something with you. It says don't despise discipline because God disciplines those whom he loves. Oh, yeah. Finally, know that even in the fire, number one, that God is in there with you because he says I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Secondly, not only is he with you, but he's in control of that. He's, con he's in control of every demon. Those are God's demons. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Those, they belong to him. He controls them. They report to him. He, they can't do nothing that God does not allow them to do. So God is allowing that. He is in control of everything. And finally... As you are going through and you are being faithful and you are maintaining your faith and you're continuing to look to God, you're continuing to trust God, forget what they see and forget what they think because they're thinking, ooh, she must be doing something wrong. He must be doing something wrong. God really getting you? Yeah, God is really getting you. He's getting you ready to give him glory. 
and your response in those situations. When you respond in faith, when you respond obedient to the word, you are giving God the glory. Let God get the glory out of your life. We're going to see as we continue in this study that God is going to get a lot of glory out of David's life, even though David is going to go through some some rough stuff. And I know that any of you are going through some rough things, that a lot of you are going through some things that indescribable, that there are some pains in your life, there are some disappointments in your life, there are some things that are confusing to you, but I want you to know tonight that God knows it and he got it and he knows where you are. Job says he knows the way that I go. God knows exactly where you are and what you're going through, but he's looking for a response of faith. He's looking for that response saying, God, I know this is tough, it's hot, I don't like it at all, but I so love you. And so I bow to your will and I bow to your way. Now teach me to give you glory in everything. Use my life. I know this this is difficult to take sometimes, but, you know, Jesus humbled himself, even to death on a cross, that God might be glorified because it was God's will. Will we bow to the will of God in our life? Or will we will we just turn around and just say, God, I can't, I, I, I'm not doing it, and, and be disobedient and walk away? Will we fall away because it's just too tough and because we just don't, as if they have that commitment of love to God? Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you. God, we understand that we sometimes have to go through fire, that sometimes we have to suffer, and that our suffering is for righteousness' sake, that we have to place ourselves in positions of servants to, to people that don't care nothing about you, that we might win them, that we might show forth your love to them. Father, sometimes we it feels like all we do is run, 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 just like David is running from Saul. Even though we've tried to do everything right and we, we get to work early, we stay late. We serve in our churches and we give tithes and offerings and we do everything that your word commands us to do. And it just seems like God just, all we get is just more trouble, more trials, more tribulations. Oh, God, help us in this hour. Help us as we run. We know, God, that this is what you've ordered. And so help us, oh, God. Strengthen our faith. You've already you you wouldn't allow us to go through it if we couldn't take it. And we know that because our faith is deposited in you, because our life is hid in you, Father, that we can please you just by obeying. So help us to obey God. Help us to run the race with patience. Continue to mold us and make us into the people that you would have us to be. We want to be your praise. We want to be somebody that you brag about. We want to be somebody that you are delighted in. And so, God, we don't get off the potter's wheel. We don't run away from our trial. We don't run away from the fiery furnace. But instead, God, just as Jesus said in the garden, nevertheless, Thy will be done. We surrender to you. We place ourselves in your hands. We bow at your at the altar, Lord, saying yes to your will, yes to your way. And we don't bow, God, mad or upset. God, 
we count it all joy that you've chosen us. We are, we, we are of good cheer because we know already, even though it, it looks bad, that in the end we win because we're with you. So we bless you and we praise you. Now have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's it for this week. We'll be in um, Chapter 20 next week, and I thank God for you joining us tonight. I pray that that you've been enlightened, that you've been in, that you've been uplifted, that you have some clarity as to where you are in Christ right now. Understand that, Amen. That 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 some of this is just strong, but you know what? You wouldn't be God is is taking the bottle away from a lot of us and telling us you got all them teeth in your mouth. You're going to get some meat. So the only thing I can tell you is get your toothpick because we're now we're into the meat of it all. I thank God again for you. I bless God and praise him. And so next week, Chapter 20, I'll see you then. And you be blessed. Oh, but don't you go nowhere. Don't you go nowhere. Don't you go nowhere. I'm a little rusty, but not that rusty. Where's my head is? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Y'all knew I was going to give y'all that. Y'all knew I was going to give y'all that blessing. And it's to you and your family, your household, your neighborhood, and to everyone who you come in contact with. Bless you, bless you, bless you. See you next Wednesday night on The Word on Wednesday transition to transformation. Now we're watching that David get transformed into a king by walking through the fire. Bless you now. Bye-bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.